don't think the batteries hold out. Welcome to Hand of Pod. Girls, welcome to episode four—not not four, three hundred and forty of Hand of Pod. I'm Sam Kelly, and this week I'm joined by English Dan. Hello, and welcome. And Andres. Hello, and welcome. Thank you very much. Before Jeff. we start, I'd like Go to on. just give a special mention for one of our colleagues who isn't here this week because he's on a special Hand of Pod assignment, sort of. Oh. Uh, Tony, who is in Madrid, either treasuring his ticket to watch Tottenham against Liverpool. Or else frantically trying to get hold of a ticket. Yes. He was last, in the latter last time I spoke to him. The last that I heard, Tony and uh, Hand Pod listener, John, who uh, Tony has gone with, uh, were still trying to get tickets. But then I haven't... Um, I, I forgot to ask John. John's bringing a book back for me from England. Uh-huh. Too, so I, I should have asked him really to be polite, but I didn't. Because my head's been in the clouds all week. Which is why I made that joke at the start about hoping the batteries hold out. I haven't been able to charge the batteries all week. Uh, we use rechargeable batteries here on the Handapod microphone because I would like to be kind to the environment. Um, and I don't know where the charger is because I'm in the middle oh, of the house move, So <laughs> we're not able to. Not to mention the fact that this microphone's actually been at my father-in-law's house for the last week. Um, but we anyway, we'd better get on with it because I don't want the batteries running out in the middle of the recording. It is. Short and concise today. Fortunately, it's quite likely to be a short episode. It is, as all of our episodes are at the moment, sponsored by Fanatis. Fanatis are the best uh, way, indeed the only legal way, to watch uh, the Superliga, the Copa Superliga and the Copa Argentina, which, in spite of some rather confusing names, are three different competitions from outside Latin America. Um, If you're in the United States, then thanks to their tie-ins with Gold TV and BN Sports, you can also watch the Copa Sudamericana, which I would like to point out is still ongoing at the moment. Uh, There are matches being played this week still. so do get involved there. Uh, and you can also watch the Copa Libertadores, which of course is on a hiatus between group stage and knockout stage at the moment. Um, you can get a seven-day free trial and 20% off your first three months with Fanatis by going to fntz.co slash H-O-P and using the discount code H-O-P-F-Z. Thank you very much to Fanatis for your support. Um, I'm going to get on now and move, uh, read out the results from the matches that have taken place since we last recorded. There are two main ones that we're going to be talking about. They are, of course, the second legs of the Copa Superliga semi-finals. Those were Atletico Tucumán nil, Tigre one, which means a six-nil win for Tigre. So they just edged through to the final in the end there, and a thumping one-nil home win for Boca Juniors against Argentinos Juniors, which means that Boca. Uh, pip Argentinos in the Clásico Junior Sense and go through and fill in the other spot from uh, for the final. Uh, it's also Boca's first goal in four matches. Three and a half or something like so, that. When was it scored? I can't bring matches. up the details on my phone. Uh, so they didn't score against in either of the games against Vélez. 
and they didn't score in the first match against Argentinos and I think no. the goal came after 60 odd minutes possibly it was 55 minutes oh, so, exactly. so, yeah, like, yes. so it was yes. three and a half matches at least just after uh, Argentinos had gone down to 10 men hmm. when oh Christ one of Argentinos' players got sent off yes hang on uh, Matias Romero you're quite right that yes. was well remembered because I've forgotten about that but. he was then followed of course by Ivan Marconi who will be a, a sensitive loss for the final along with Nandes and Nandes is yes. unavailable as well Naitan Nandes why is Naitan Nandes unavailable uh, bookings I believe ah ok I missed that small detail um, the last goal that Boca has scored previously was against Cody Cruz I think the previous yes, round of the previous the, round yes this is in domestic competition, obviously. Yes. I think they scored one in the Libertadores group stage between at least one, didn't they, uh, yes. in the meantime. But Very possibly. In domestic competition, uh, they haven't scored in the... Oh, no, sorry, yeah, you just said in the previous round, yes. Yeah, so they had scored in the Copa Superliga before. Lisandro Lopez's headed goal was not their first ever Copa Superliga no. goal. No, no, no. Um, I'm not quite sure. We were just trying to discuss shortly before we started recording what Lisandro Lopez was doing that far up the pitch. Because Boca Juniors' version of Lisandro Lopez is not, of course, a centre forward. He's not, no, and he's also, I mean, he does score a fair amount of goals, but usually from set pieces. Hmm. Um, I think he, just like almost everyone in Boca, he got fed up with the goal drought and decided uh, Gerard Piquet style to, to take it on himself and just charge up the other end and, and score. He certainly did find himself in the right place at the right time. I think overall, you'd say Boca didn't do a whole lot in the match, as they didn't in the first leg either, but possibly deserved the win. They did have a few chances to win. Uh, Dario Benedetto, whose confidence has gone through the floor in this competition for some reason, uh, missed two excellent chances. Uh, Cristian Pavon as well fluffed another one. Uh, so I'm going to have some words about Christian Pavon in a few minutes but yeah carry on though. so yeah I mean it was again a very mean performance a very Alfaro cut performance uh, but they got the job done and yeah um, it's kind of you get the feeling in Boca at the moment after of course that uh, cup final they lost well I think we might have talked about it a couple of times and after not uh, finishing uh, third in the league and not managing to get their third straight title you get the feeling as we saw in the completely over exaggerated way they celebrated the Supercopa victory that basically any title will do at the moment and that'll mean that there'll be absolutely nothing taken for granted in Sunday's final they'll be going out for it and from Boca's side anyway it's going to be a similar kind of performance I think very safety first getting men behind the ball the might be looking a little bit strapped in midfield because Nandes and Marconi are two guys who are very important to them uh, in that engine room. But yeah, if there's one thing lacking from Boca, it's definitely not uh, motivation at the moment for that very reason. Anyway, it looks like, um, at least from this Alfalf team, that they feel at ease or they feel comfortable giving the, away the ball to the, perhaps the rivals. And to be, I think Alvaro is trying to build a solid team, and it, this is I think shown in the in the in the matches because as uh, 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 we say that they don't score goals, but they also they, they don't concede because it's a no. lot of nil nil results means that. Uh, ah, indeed, indeed. 
I just wonder how effective that tactic, if indeed they do repeat it, is going to be against a team like Tigre, who, for my money, have probably attacked better than than anyone else in Argentina for for the last six months at least. Yes. It and might continue, might continue to do so because obviously we'll talk about Tigre in more detail in a minute but before I forget to mention it Walter Montijo today mm-hmm. signed a two year contract extension having been yes. linked with a move to River he is going to be staying in Tigre to try and help them out of the Bay Nacional next season uh, and of course that two year contract extension is going to take him past his 93rd birthday which is, which is a good remarkable effort, yeah. commitment to the club yeah yes. it's yeah, it's a uh, a decent result for Tigre, particularly since their other uh, stylish little playmaker is leaving uh, Diego Morales Cajete. Mm-hmm. He's already said he won't be staying on in the Nacional of But uh, if you want to go in, I believe you had some words on Pabon. You I share. did, yes. I, I've seen a lot of, we've talked about it of course as well uh, mm-hmm. during the season, but I, I've seen a lot of people particularly recently and especially on, on Sunday where he had... I, th- I think it was almost highlighted by the fact that he had like a three or four minute spell in the first half where actually he looked dangerous and put in a mm. couple of, of decent crosses and got to the byline a few times. And he put in like... a cracking cross in the second half as well. I mm. made the point it's his first oh, he did, decent yes. cross since 2017. Yeah. Um, and, and it sort of seemed to exacerbate the fact that through for most of the other 86 minutes, he was, even by the standards he set this season, awful. Mm. Um, and lots of people saying, oh, you know, what's happened? Since the World Cup, he's had a real slump. Um, and this is something that we've kind of touched on, but I don't think that I've ever said on Hand of Pod uh, outright and, and explicitly. So um, if you'll allow me, I'm going to be explicit. Please. Um, it's not a slump in form. It, it's a return to what it was. It's a, it's a, that's how good he is. Because we said for a couple of years of his career before the season, you know, before the 2017-18 season, if you like, although obviously it wasn't 2017, or it was in a way, wasn't it? Um, that that he just played as if he had a bucket on his head, that he was constantly <laughs> running down blind alleys, that he didn't know how to cross it properly, that he only had one trick and all the rest of it. And then he had an amazing one season, mm-hmm. which got him called up to the World Cup, and now he's hitting the norm. It, this isn't a slump. Last season was the peak. That's as good as he gets, I think. You yes. Yeah. I'm sort of torn on this one. I see it more during, as a chicken or egg situation. Because during last season, I thought, he's finally got it. Yeah. Something's clicked. He's going to be a really good player if he kicks on and carries on doing this. But the fact that now we've had another year of a pretty similar level to what he was doing before, I think, is, is proof that actually last season was the anomaly, let's say, rather mm. than this one being... Being a, a I don't know. I see it more as a, a general symptom of of Boca's uh, overall malaise. Kind of the fact that they're not attacking fluently. They're not. I mean, it's a similar. It's a similar phenomenon, let's say, to um, Angel Di Maria in the Arge- in the Argentina team. But like maybe the one time uh, he would actually look good was when Argentina had a proper system, which let him get into dangerous positions, but. When things didn't work, all he could do was run 20 yards down the left wing and put in a rubbish cross. Hmm. Does that mean he's rubbish? I mean, he's not rubbish, of course. He might not be the best player in the world, but he's not crap. No, but I mean, that's true. But also, he's kind of plays, especially with wingers. Like Sometimes it takes a decent coach and a decent plan to just kind of grab and say, look, don't just fucking run it. Think, cut inside, pass it on and keep going. Just do something. And if that's not happening, he'd like, I think the coach has to take on some of the blame as well for me. Yeah, but also, I mean, Boca's malaise, it's not 
that if if that's the malaise, then you wouldn't mind it. No, too much. of course, it's all relative. Other than the identity, for their the, comparative, the um, lost the Libertadores yeah. final too. I think any club in the world would have taken most of Boca's last season. No, I'm just saying for their comparative worth and the amount of you know quality players they've they've got in their team, mm. they should at least be playing a little bit better and a little bit uh, uh, more exciting football, I'd say, or and not just relying on a on a good goalkeeper and nicking your goal or going for a penalties. Yeah, no, I, I just kind of I, I can't help shaking the feeling that this is. I think that probably I'd say at this point, like as he said, needs a move away. I think. Yeah, Walker uh, is not going to do him any. Any good now, especially now the fans have appeared to turn on him. He really needs to just get the hell away. It doesn't matter if it's, uh, I think it was Watford, one of the moves I've seen mooted in the last few weeks, or mm. or Portugal, or wherever he needs to get the hell out of, of Boca. And he might very well get that move and then go on to have five seasons being one of the world's best wingers. Yeah, and, I wouldn't um, be surprised to prove me wrong. Yeah, good, good for him if he does. Indeed. But, at the moment, I just think I'm not sure why people are referring to it as a blip. Where actually, <laughs> this is what most of his careers look like. Um, I mean, he's still a young lad, right? 22, 23. I think he's a bit older. Let me check. Andres, you had something to, yes. to say. Well, yeah, yeah, I think that independently of his highs and downs, uh, the way the style of playing that Boca had when when Guillermo was on the bench, I think it was better for him. The direct attack and, and straight. Uh, attacks were were better for him than the the style that Boca is, play, is playing right now. And uh, then, what happens to any player that is young player and is uh, dreaming on playing the national team, going to play to Europe and that stuff? Which is I don't know why, but in Argentina especially, like the dream of every player, I think it's of American players, but especially in Argentina where. When you you are told that you are your your uh, release clause is fifty fifty million dollars or euros and go to play World Cup and and that's some, something that is very difficult to cope with. Similar things I, I think that happened to, for example, Xavier Palacios, um, who was told to move to Real Madrid and since then mm. his level has been down. Yeah, that was more because of injury, right? He's missed two, three he, months. He did this, miss yeah. some injury and yeah. I think yes, he, he apart from that. picked it up in his last couple of games before obviously River's elimination from, from the Copa Superliga. But I, I know what Andres means. Then, like, he, he yeah. definitely then Maxi Mesa is another example of player that disappeared right now. Now he's disappeared. Mm. He's played, of course, of course, in Mexico. But, but Maxi Mesa was never that good. I mean, he was a gimnasia player until he was 25 had a decent season for Independiente and now he's he can, as Sam you know to paraphrase Sam he's now at his true level which is a very kind of alright run of the mill uh, roving midfielder mm. and I, I think the problem was that Argentina were in such dire straits in 2018 that someone that like Maxi Messa could even be considered to play against a France team with Pogba Griezmann and, and the rest it says a lot more about Argentina than Maxi Messi. But. It does, and it also says more about Argentina's focus on trying to pick Argentina-based players for the national team. But obviously that's probably a conversation that we'll be able to have in a week or two's time when we're previewing the Copa America. Um, Indeed. In, it'll be two weeks' time, won't it? We do have the squad today. now, which I do, we not, do. I believe which we, we might talk about during the second half. Um, we could do a, a senior under-20 mashup since we've got things to talk about with Mike. Indeed. Get that yes, out of the way. We will. Moving on to the other semi-final... Um, now I have to admit on Saturday uh, because as I might have mentioned I'm moving flat 
Saturday was our, our old flat painting day. We had to paint the walls to make sure that they look nice before we give the keys back and then pray that they give us some of our deposit back. Uh, which meant that I was able to pay less attention to the second um, leg of Atletico Tucumán versus Tigre than I would have liked. Um, but, gents, what did you uh, make of it? I mean, I the was, thing is, yeah. it was also kind of, we deliberately planned the weekend that way so that I could have more time to watch the other match because Boca Argentinos was the tie that was actually still alive, right? We Indeed. weren't expecting Atletico Tucumán. In spite of what Nestor Gorosito said after the first leg, <laughs> um, we weren't expecting Tigre to, to throw away a 5-0 first leg lead. No, definitely not. I w- yeah, I was like you, I kind of flicked back and forth, wasn't particularly invested for that same reason. Uh, I think at one point I turned it on for about 15 minutes, uh, just when Tigre got their goal and I thought, nah, this is either one, I'm going <laughs> to waste my life watching the rest of this match. I think it came just... Before half time or just after half time? Give me a second. Around there. I shall tell you. And yeah, I mean, just a thoroughly uh, professional job by Tigre, I think. They didn't ever look like even going behind, let alone uh, letting such a lead slip. It, it came 18 minutes into the second half done. So mm. let's stretch the definition of just after and say that you're correct. Yeah, closer to half time than full time. Indeed, yes. I'll take that. Yeah, and that was about the time. I think I'd switched over just after half-time and, and then I turned it off after I, that goal. I largely... I, I think, I, if I remember rightly, I managed to catch the last five minutes of the first half mm-hmm. and then bits and pieces of, of the second. Yes. Uh, I, I mean, like I had the second one on, but how much attention I was actually able to pay to the television varied during the second half. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is also worth mentioning that before half-time, Atletico Tucumán were down to nine men because Rodrigo Aliendro... And Jonathan Cabral both got sent off. Um, so even before the goal, and even without taking into consideration the fact that Tigre had a 5 0 aggregate lead, um, <laughs> it was an uphill struggle already, anyway. Yes. Yeah, not much more to say, really. I think um, Tigre did what they had to do, which was just not suffer a complete meltdown. Um, and yeah. We now know, I'm not sure if we knew about this point by recording point last week, but we now know that they will be in the Copa Libertadores after a quite remarkable uh, flip-flop by Comunidad. Yes. And an even more remarkable tiff between uh, the AFA and Superliga. When we recorded last week, we told you that Comunidad had announced that no teams involved in second division, or sorry, no teams not involved in first division football next year. Um, would be allowed to take part in continental football. Uh, they then, after we also mentioned, I mentioned last week, I remember saying that both the AFA and the CBF, the Brazilian Federation, um, said, well, hang on, this is the first we're hearing about this regulation. Um, at least Argentina and I think also Chile, Paraguay, well, definitely Paraguay because they have a team currently competing in the Sudamericana who are the second division side, um, and a couple of other countries all have written into their National Cup regulations or at least into the regulations of one of the national cups because the Copa Superliga of course is a cup competition um, that the winners get a place in the Libertadores or the Sudamericana you know regardless of which division they're in um, Commonwealth eventually backed down and they said okay this, this regulation is going to happen but it will begin in 2021 Indeed. not in 2020 uh, so Tigre will be in next year's Libertadores if they beat Boca Juniors yeah. if they but, don't then the, then the Libertadores spot for the Copa Superliga drops down 
um, a league position. You know, mm-hmm. if, if Boca win, win the Copa Superliga, of course, Boca already in the Libertadores due to the league. So then the automatic Libertadores spot for the Copa Superliga goes to fourth place River Plate. And the fifth place team, who were Atletico Tucumán, if I remember correctly, will go into the Libertadores um, at the, I think it's the third playoff round, which is the round that River are currently qualified for. Right. But the subplot to this was possibly even better, which was the AFA in their, their discarga, their, their kind of petition, saying that they didn't actually realise that Superliga had promised a, a Libertadores place to the winner of the Copa Superliga, that they hadn't <laughs> sent the, the plans for the tournament through their executive committee, mm. that no one had signed off for it, and... And yeah, taking them completely by surprise. And Which is a right that the AFA made clear when the Superliga was founded. They said the Superliga now has the right to run the top division mm-hmm. and all associated competitions. And another is like, yeah, these crazy Superliga kids promising uh, copper places to lower league sides. I don't know, but you know, you got their kids. You gotta, you gotta let them, let them be happy, right? It kind of did really come across like that. The AFA. Mm. But the really crazy thing, I think, is that uh, Superliga first, when when Juan Mebol stated that that Tigre wouldn't be able, or any other uh, second division teams mm-hmm. would be able to play next uh, Copa Libertadores, and Superliga like complained or or uh, asked AFA to uh, do what was necessary for Tigre to be able to play Copa Libertadores. They then stated that if they lose Copa Superliga final, mm. they wouldn't be able to play Copa Sudamericana. No, because as, I mean, as I said, the regulations uh, state that no relegated team can qualify for the, the, either the Sudamericana or the Libertadores, uh, but that there are explicit exceptions for teams who win either the final of the Libertadores, the final of the Sudamericana, the final of the Copa Argentina, or win the final of the Copa Superliga. Oh, they lose the finals. So there's, there's a regulation in the Superliga 2018-19 season regulations, mm-hmm. which allows Tigre to qualify for the Libertadores. But So that was probably more of a clarification rather than saying, OK, we've decided on this rule just now, mm-hmm. uh, because that, that was something that I found in the regulations of, uh, two or three weeks ago. It was also a, a great quote that I've missed actually the first time around. I think it was about two or three weeks ago from our mate Chiquitapia, the AFA president. Mm-hmm. Um, pretty much, basically, when this whole Tigre, oh, it's so unfair they've been relegated because they're playing so well and they're going to win the Copa Superliga bandwagon got started. And Chiquitapia, president of the AFA, who brought in Promedios. The AFA who brought in Promedios, not Cheeky Tapia. Yes, of Just course. Of for course. new listeners. President of the AFA who brought in... Yeah. Yes. Who brought in the Promedios system, uh, have maintained it for over 30 years, hmm. then turned around and said to Tessiports that, no, he thinks this is all really unfair on Tigre and um, it, maybe Superliga should should have a good look at their, at their relegation system. Well, that's another thing. Because yeah. the AFA... The AFA have gone and got rid of the, the promedios for all the leagues they take care of. And so, why can't Superliga? They have. This, after 30 years. This, this is a point I made last How week. How hard must your face be? I made this point last week and we also mentioned it several months ago when um, the lower divisions all announced it, or when the AFA announced it, that from next season, the Superliga is going to be the only division in Argentina which uses promedios. Indeed. And there was a meeting in a Buenos Aires hotel a few days ago. Uh, uh, not an executive meeting. And not, I don't think it was any sort of an official mm-hmm. board meeting, but it was one that got reported between uh, directors of 
various clubs, not of all of the Superliga clubs. If I remember rightly, there were 13 or 14 of them there. 14. And there was supposedly unanimous agreement, even taking into account the fact that some of the clubs present were clubs who have historically defended the Promedios, uh, in scrapping them starting next season. Mm-hmm. Partly because people have looked at what Tigre have done in this Copa Superliga and thought, hang on, is it actually right that we're relegating this side now? Mm-hmm. Uh, rather than maybe having relegated them two years ago when they actually were awful. Sam? Even though they weren't bad enough to get relegated two years ago, as I mentioned. Indeed. I'm going to blow your mind now. Mm -hmm. Um, They've backtracked. Surprise, surprise. uh, In a subsequent meeting, it has been decided that the Promedios will be gotten rid of eventually, but... Not for two years. Eventually. Eventually. Not for two years or not, not for, for at least two years? Not for at least two years. Okay, there we go. So, um, I'm sorry to e- report that. Even when this meeting was first being reported and lots of people like me got excited. very excited, it was worth paying attention to what Alejandro Casar said. Now, you're probably, almost definitely, sitting there wondering now, or standing, I don't know how you listen to your podcast, um, wondering who Alejandro Casar is. He's not a director, he's not a an AFA person, he's not a politician or any of these things, he is the sports editor of La Nación, and for my uh, opinion at least um, he is one of the people outside the politics of Argentine football who best understands and best explains the politics of Argentine football Mm -hmm. and he made the point on Twitter that there have been a hell of a lot of occasions in the past in the AFA where we've heard about meetings behind closed doors or directors giving interviews off the record to, you know, giving interviews on the record but saying, withhold my name, don't say which club I'm related to, saying things like, this or that club really doesn't like Julio Grondona and is definitely going to vote against him for the presidency. Uh, We don't like the Promedios, we're definitely going to vote against them for the presidency. We don't like this or that referee, we're going to veto him from being put in charge of this game because he's a massive River fan and River involved in that match or whatever. And when it actually comes down to it, they never actually vote that way. They, they never backed up what they were saying. So his point was, in fact, what he said, I've, I've just come up with a bunch of those, those explanations, were not his, they were mine, just to clarify. Um, but what he said was, many, many times before, directors of clubs, AFA directors, now Superliga directors, have said, we'd like to do this, we're going to do this at the next executive meeting. And then when the next executive meeting comes, the votes all go the opposite way. So don't pay attention necessarily to what's being said behind the scenes. <laughs> you can only really pay attention once the vote's in. Yeah, I think that's... Yes, that's with Promedios, that's exactly what happened yeah, these days. But I think it's pretty clear that if the Promedios do indeed now get gradually phased out... I think it's a matter of years, time, right? Like they will go at some point, but indeed. it won't be until the league is of a manageable enough size to allow just... A normal league. Yeah, I'm I think that's the best way to put it. I think that would make some sense, and, yes. and I think it's pretty clear that, that Tigre's performance in the last few weeks of this year's Superliga, and also over the course of this Copa Superliga, is, is going to have been one of the things that actually led led it to happen. For Did Tigre's it? sake, it would be great for Ramirez to be quit in two years, mm. as, a, as as it finally has been decided or stated or or, or, or said. Done now, right now. Um, we shall see. Two years is a long time in Argentine yes. football. Yes, it is. Uh, yes. Paraphrase Harold Wilson. Anything to say about the two losing semi finalists in the Copa Superliga? Let's start with Atletico Tucumán because I think that they dropped off a lot their performances between 
I mean, not even between the Superliga and the Copa, but between the first leg of the quarterfinal, <laughs> where they got that very impressive win over River, and the second leg of the quarterfinal, where they got tonked by River, and then the, the first leg of the semi, they got tonked by Tigre, and then the second leg of the semi, they had two men sent off in the first half, and that was dead, and Tigre didn't really have to break a sweat. Um, it's, it's quite a fall from grace for a team who enjoyed, a, by and large, a pretty successful league campaign. It's difficult to explain, to have logical explain. Because football is not logical, of course, uh, but after the so rocky team that Zelensky built and, and, and the ovation that he got from the Atletico Tucumán supporters in the first leg against River, because they showed themselves like a team that it was really impossible or very difficult to to concede uh, not only goals but opportunity, also opportunities independently of the River River performance, which was dull also, dull also. Uh, to this is really something that has to do with football and and and, and the, perhaps uh, you are near to or close to a to a definition zone and and I don't know why but Atletico Tucumán I thought that they will be prepared to to face face it and and apparently they weren't and Tigre was a just continuation of the team they were in the Superliga but even better scoring a lot of goals with luxury goals and 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 t- uh, players that. Uh, uh, know exactly what to do at any time, so I think in this case I will, I will, I will praise or I will uh, give more importance to Tigres' great performances than Atletico Tucumán low, low ones. Mm. I wonder as well with Atletico Tucumán if it's not also uh, a case that they just ran out of steam. I mean, it's far from being the, the most youthful side in. In Argentina, you got guys That's like true. Mercier yeah. who's pushing thirty-nine, Matos, who's what sixty-seven. But then in the first leg against Tigre, they were torn to pieces by Walter Montillo and Diego Morales. So yeah, but they're kind of creative players. Mercier's like oh, the heart of, of their team. Speaking of age, by the way, I just remembered Christian Pavon's twenty-three. Oh, carry on. Uh, yeah, I wonder they have three games in a week and absolutely ran their heart out against River, and then they just look knackered for the last two games. Mm. Uh, perhaps that had something to do with it. I don't know. Maybe not. Indeed. And Argentinos Juniors, who Dan's bloody hell, sorry, who Dan has just put on the television, uh, unprompted. ESPN put on course, the television. Really, I just changed the channel because, of course, they're involved in the Copa Sudamericana still. Indeed. And indeed, they won the first leg against Tolima, who were one of the let's say inverted commas relegated sides from the Libertadores uh, from Boca Juniors group. Um, and it's now 1-0 on aggregate it's 0-0 uh, on the night on the afternoon I suppose because it's in Colombia isn't it yes. um, five minutes in um, the consensus view of Argentinos at the moment is that since Diego Dabobe took charge they have had a massive upturn in form and I think actually if you just look at the statistics and talk about you know facts that's also the objective view isn't it yeah um, I don't think there's any argument about that I, they definitely you know, try to play decent football. I think what they were handicapped by, especially in their way leg against Boca more than anything, was perhaps just not quite having the same amount of, well, okay, no, nowhere near the, the same level of uh, star potential, let's say, as Boca. You know, they, they have Alexis McAllister and Claudio Binelli as a playmaker in the centre forward, who are both, I think, going to be really good um, players. Obviously, McAllister is a player we talked about a little bit last week. He's on his way to Brighton before long. Um, 
any time now, really. And now that they're out of the Copa Superliga, I suppose it could be today, for all I know. Possibly. Um, and if Pinelli is, is a player, apart from... As it's I not going to be today because he's playing in the Supermanicanas. Of course he is. Sorry, yes, I'm a idiot. Yeah, yeah, you're quite right. We're watching the game. And if Pinelli is a player who, who apart from, as I think I mentioned last week, uh, he would make an excellent drag queen because he's very pretty. Um, apart from that, he's very young and he's really good. Like, he was really good for San Martín de San Juan. Yeah. I think he had Argentina's like, best chance on Sunday, right? Yes. And he didn't make no. a very good effort. They're, they're both promising players. I think they're both excellent for their age and for the level of experience that they've got. But Boca have got, you know... Maro Sarate and Carlos Tevez for the playmaker position mm. Dario Benedetto and, and Ramon Avila for the centre forward position it's a slightly different level of really good oh completely um, it's leagues apart really um. so I, th- I think it's going to be interesting to see what Argentinos can do next season it's going to depend on who they can keep hold of and it's also going to depend we're going back to the Promedios again on just how badly they are in the relegation mess because if I remember rightly we'll of course preview that properly next season when we know what players they've brought in and everything but if I remember rightly they're not going to be particularly well off in the relegation battle at the start no of the they're better off than they could be thanks to that late run of, of decent results which I think if they hadn't have achieved that they'd really be looking down the, the barrel of a rifle hmm. but it's not going to be an easy an easy season by any means um, what we got another four teams going down again yeah, um, uh, we assume. Yes. I, don't think, I don't know when the regulations have been finalised yet, but yeah, presumably it will be. Yeah, it's not going to be easy. Um, but Dabove is he's a guy who's got a burgeoning reputation as a coach. I remember, I think we all did a double take when he decided to walk away from Copa Libertadores chat, uh, qualifiers and perennial top six, top seven team, Gode Cruz, to go to, mm. to the team that was bottom of the league and looked absolutely clueless, but... Um, I think I said as I said last week it's proof that if you don't have Ezequiel Carboni on your bench at least <laughs> you can play football yes in spite of his excellent nickname uh, he's not a very good football manager it would appear not Andres. I think it would be key whether they can keep McAllister in their squad or if they li- he lives to Brighton was the, the yeah team. I mean the, he's already been sold to Brighton that Brighton bought him in January if I remember rightly uh, but there is talk that Brighton might loan him back either to Argentinos or to somewhere else outside England while some work permit work is done I mean obviously if Argentinos were able to land him for another six months then from their point of view that would be fantastic they're still going to have a McAllister in the squad because as far as That's I'm aware Francis, Francis uh, has not had any offers come in there must be um, another McAllister rearing to go in the youth ranks, surely. I mean, there's uh, always a McAllister in, in Argentinas. Yeah, it feels like that, doesn't yeah. it? Um, but, you know, no, with um, the other one, Kevin, with him having yeah. gone to, to Boca in, uh, in the summer, I'm not, I don't know how many Could he also parents had exactly. I don't know. If there is Michael, one, Tito. Could he also be bad because he's not having any minutes there? Uh, uh, He's a right, uh, but left back. Left yeah. back. I, I think oh. he can play on the right as well. But yeah. he, yes, at right. least for Arkendinos, because uh, you're quite right, he's, he's not played an awful lot for Boca. But when he was playing for Arkendinos, he, he was he tended to play on the left. Because Emmanuel Mas is the starting lineup regular player. Then is Farang Fabra who is mm. playing when when Mas is not there. So unless Fabra is injured, gets injured again, and this is well, Fabra has always been uh, first choice, right? It's just. He would just missed a hell of a lot of time out. Yeah, with, I think uh, that's right. With, no, Mass uh, kind of ligament injury jumped ahead of him in the pecking order a little bit due to that. But this yeah. is also, you know, Frank, as, as Andres says, Frank Faber currently second choice for Boca, and he's although Colombia haven't yet finalised their Copa America squad, he's pretty nailed on to be in it. Yeah, I mean, this is the kind of 
difference in, in squad depth oh, that we're talking no. about, where somebody who was starting every game for Argentinos six months ago is now got to third, choice, third choice left back. Um, and yet Argentinos lost 1-0 on aggregate after two largely pretty even, if mm-hmm. slightly dull, um, matches of football. Indeed. The two legs. Uh, on that note, we're going to take a half-time break. And when we come back, I'm going to do something a bit different. Because this was uh, the first half of this podcast was about the same length as, as they normally are. And because we can't really, neither me nor Andres could afford time-wise to carry on recording for as long as we sometimes do, we're going to do listeners' questions first, and then we'll get on to the other little talking points so that we have a good idea of how long we can afford to spend talking on them. But for now, more importantly than anything else, it's time for a refill. So don't go away. Just a reminder that we are sponsored by Fanatis. Go to fntz.co slash HOP. And if you want a seven-day free... I think you get the seven-day free trial just for going there, actually. If you want 20% off your first three months with Fanatis, then use the discount code HOPFZ. Or if you're American, then you could try HOPFZ instead. I'm led to believe it has the same effect. Um, that will allow you to watch the Superliga, the Copa Superliga, the Copa Argentina. You can watch them on demand as well, by the way. Uh, so although the season is obviously just finishing for a bit um, you know, don't let that put you off because you can go back and watch a bunch of other matches uh, you can also watch the Libertadores and Sudamericana if you're in the United States Lister's questions here we go Ronnie Mazumda says by looking at only two matches um, in the Under-20 World Cup which of course we've not yet spoken, spoken about which is unfair to conclude but I'll do this anyway can Argentina can, can Argentina Under-20s beat the full Argentina national team that played against <laughs> Venezuela and Morocco in those friendlies and can they do so convincingly what do you guys think uh, <laughs> they, they play like more of a team I'll yeah. say that it wouldn't surprise me yeah. nah senior football there's so many advantages I'm guessing it's a tongue in cheek question but I'll bring a, a hint of seriousness to it there's so much when physical advantage at senior level that it wouldn't be close I don't think there is but it's not as if the guys in under 20 aren't playing first team football for their clubs no but at varying degree obviously Adolfo Gaich yeah. who is like you know the, the centre forward who scored the uh, opening goal against Portugal uh, yesterday yeah. is you know on, more on the fringes at San Lorenzo yeah. let's say than say Gonzalo Maroni is for Tacheres mm-hmm. or, or certain other players at their clubs um, but I don't think it would be I don't know the, the team players certainly more I would agree with you that it's a yeah. tongue-in-cheek question, by the way. But um, <laughs> They're more entertaining to watch. Let's, let's leave it at that. Yes, they are. And the thing that I was really struck by after the Portugal game yesterday was how much more together they looked than they did during the Sudamericano Sulvente. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, never mind whether they could beat the national team of three or four months ago. They could beat... They would thrash themselves of six months ago. Silly. Uh, because, you know, in the Sudamericano, they seemed to sort of... Very impressive, maybe, in the first round to an mm-hmm. extent against weaker opponents and then fell to pieces you know yesterday they went toe to toe with as Andres mentioned earlier the champions of of the UEFA under 19 championship 
Um, I mean, they won 2-0. All right, Portugal had them pinned back quite a bit in the second half. But Argentina had the character and, and the, the strength of mind to come through that and to double their advantage at a crucial point in the game. And I, While Portugal are clearly a very good side and you could perhaps say that Portugal had the better of the play, I don't think that's necessarily the same as saying that Argentina didn't deserve the victory. No, I think on balance they, they were good for it. Definitely. Hmm. Uh, next question. Belgrano in English. Jimmy Lee says... What is your favourite, or what are your favourite Sherba brands? I'm sure we've had this question before, haven't we? We've had it many times. Yes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Sherba, for those who are uninitiated, is what you use to make mate, which is a traditional Argentine sort of steeped tea, basically. Um, I don't tend to go for the big brands, but when my girlfriend and I do, we, we tend to buy, we, we go to the uh, wholesaler, because you get mm-hmm. bulk discounts there, which means that we can sometimes afford the La Merced, which is the really expensive posh one. Uh, which is fantastic. Otherwise, we go for Plashadito. And other than that, I like going for those ones that you sometimes find, like in the um, agroecological hippie food yeah. stores, which are basically like, oh, this is only sold in one village in Misiones <laughs> and in this shop here in Capital uh, and no others, because those are always fantastic. Plus, you tend to get much less dust on the top of those ones. You just get nothing but the, the leaves. Yeah. Yeah, I take um, regularly a... One of those brands, which is from a cooperative, I believe in Misiones as well, which tends to be where my Sierra comes from, called Las Tunas, mm. um, which I get through my girlfriend who works in the Ministry of Health and they do a wholesale order of God knows how many kilos per month and she brings <laughs> me back one. And we also brought one the other day in a, a formerly neighbour neighbourhood's establishment of yours, Sam, uh, La Dignidad, the left-wing oh, yes. uh, cultural centre slash restaurant slash bar slash whatever it is. Mm, yeah, which and I it's a very nice it's a very nice share indeed. Good. Andres? Yes. I thought that Dan bought uh, Rosamonte Sherba because he used to be a, a sponsor of the Racing T-shirt no. years ago. <laughs> One of my best mates who, who is uh, I've mentioned him a couple of times in passing the, the English guy who's half Colombian and half Italian uh, who I met at university, he's got a, a racing shirt with the Rosamonte sponsor oh. on it. It's beautiful. Yes. Well, so, Andres, I, what's your favourite uh, brand? Well, the, I have no favourites, uh, silly, uh, or sorry, uh, as, as a pity, because I, I drink more coffee than, than mate. Uh, I, I used to drink mate when they offered me, uh, it's, uh, even though uh, Dan offered me before recording and I said no, mm. but I don't usually drink uh, mate, so I don't have a pref- uh, favourite brand. David Novashevsky says, who is managing San Lorenzo these days? As a non-Spanish speaker, it's hard to keep up with them. As Spanish speakers too, it's pretty hard to yeah. keep up with. I actually don't know. Uh, they've just announced uh, someone new. I'm like, Juan Antonio Pizzi. Apparently. Ah. He's, uh, they've either announced new. him today, and I've been running around so much that I wasn't sure whether they'd confirmed or not, or oh. he's expected to be confirmed any day now. Oh, right. um, the league champion in 2013 was right, San Lorenzo. Yeah. Yeah. And possibly the worst ever league campaign I've seen in Argentina. I think they won it with 32 points or something like that over 19 games mm. it was atrocious sounds about right uh, David also says can you give any update on the return to Boedo I know that the Carrefour closed but I'm not sure what the next steps are the next so, steps uh, finalising the purchase getting all those paperwork yeah. that paperwork in order and then that, that actually building the stadium the, 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 all, everything gets signed over officially on the 1st of July yeah, uh, assuming that there are no holdups or anything, so that's the next step. There could well then, be holdups because this is Argentina and it's the legal ju- yeah. justice system. Yeah, um, and then 
we have an approximately 20 year wait for the actual stadium to be constructed. Yes. Nate Gumbetta says, thoughts on the allegedly imminent appointment of Sebastián Becasese at Independiente? Um, by all accounts, Ariel Olan is no longer the Independiente coach. No, he's been informed by... Uh, Pablo Moshana. Pablo Moshana, thank you. I was going to say Claudio Moshana, but either way, Hugo <laughs> Moshana's son. So they're sort of one of the vice presidents, I think, of Independiente. President, I think he is. Is he not? Isn't Hugo the president? I thought Pablo was now. No, Hugo. Oh, all right. Yes. Okay. He's but president in all but name. So, yeah, exactly. Hugo yeah. doesn't really He doesn't do much much dirty work yeah. for him, as it were. And uh, he has done the dirty work of informing Ariel Olam that Ariel Olam is no longer Independiente manager. Yes. Sebastián Becasese informed Defensa y Justicia yesterday that he wasn't mm-hmm. going to stay on as manager. Um, he ha- was yesterday was reported as having had talks with uh, a club in Mexico in inverted commas um, and others there have been people at Newell's who for ages now have been saying oh come come to Newell's because because this is a massive Newell's fan um, but obviously why would you want to take charge of Newell's in their current state Newell's also have they a have new coach oh do they come on uh, Kudelka oh they have haven't they yes they announced him a couple of days ago so well, the right. merry-go-round is well but, and truly spirit. But of course, Becasese originally having replaced Orlan at Defensa Justicia, yes. uh, and, and I read a, I've read a couple of tweets today saying that um, uh, essentially that Independiente's directors have already been talking to Becasese for several days, and that it just all that's missing is the, the signature on the contract, yeah. and that's why they've let Orlan go today. So by the time this podcast goes online, we it might probably have, will be um, officially something yeah. more. And just to follow up, a question we've had a few times over the last few months. Um, will Defensive Cordicia be able to sustain their great campaign this year? By all indications, the answer is going to be no, because as well as losing Begacesa, they've already lost Lissandro Martinez, who was presented, I think, last week as an Ajax player. Uh, Matias Rojas is, apparently he has an agreement in principle to join Racing. Uh, Miranda is another guy who is going somewhere else I can't remember uh, and yeah the team is going to get picked apart like I think Vultures. River received an offer I don't remember the team for Barbosa who is in, on loan and should he's still on loan yes. at defense. I thought defence had bought him a no, year ago no he should be no back. that's Martinez oh, well. that was Martinez he should go back to River in June but I don't think River will take him into account so uh, they received an offer I don't remember the club for for him. So yes, looks like Defensa Justicia will, will have a completely new team mm. for next season, which was something to to preview. Yeah, and, and which yesterday was presented as one of the reasons behind Becasese standing down. Of course, if it actually turns out that he's already been talking to Independiente for the best part of a week, then it might not be. Mm-hmm. Uh, Johnny says, "Question. Hopefully, it's not too out of topic. I mean, we just answered what about Sherba Mate, so I think we can carry on." <laughs> What do you think about Argentine football journalism and how does it differ from the type of football journalism found in other countries that you're familiar with? It's when I was reading yesterday, I don't know if you, you came across it, the article on The Ringer about access in the Premier League and, and no, in English football. Carry saying on. basically, um, it was basically uh, a US publication talking to a whole load of uh, kind of well-known UK football journalists complaining that no one ever talks to them and if they do talk to them it's in completely stilted artificial circumstances and that they never get anything decent. You can say at least uh, from an Argentine point of view the access is much better. They essentially just 
ring people up in the middle of radio shows or TV shows and sometimes get some pretty juicy stuff out of interviews. Yeah, for, I mean, for that sort of very top level of... For the top level, of course, and, yeah. And, ...and radio uh, yeah. thing is, if, if you or I wanted to get access to a player from whichever club, then it would be slightly more difficult. Yeah. Okay. So slightly depends. depending on which yeah. strings we decided to pull. Maybe, but. Indeed. If you've got an in, you can do it, I guess. Like People are fairly willing to talk players, I think, much more than the Premier League, at least. Which, which is it's not. It's pretty low bar to, bar to clear. An interesting anecdote that, that I remember Jonathan Wilson telling us while he was down here about, um, not on air, but I don't think he'd mind it repeating, uh, me repeating it at this remove now, several years later, um, when he was still writing the book that has since become Angels with Dirty Faces, The History mm-hmm. of Argentine Football. Um, is that he, he said to me when, uh, when he was writing Behind the Curtain, which was his, one of his first books about Eastern European football, he would be talking to one of these people who'd grown up under the Soviets and you know, be very taciturn and very <laughs> gravelly-faced and unwilling to say anything. And it was sometimes you could sit there for two or three hours interviewing them and, and struggling to get anything out of them. Yeah. And he said, by contrast, meeting up with some of the people um, who, who he was talking to about, you know, the racing teams of the 1950s and 60s or whatever, the difficulty was getting them to shut the fuck up. Oh, it's impossible, uh, yeah. In fact, he actually had to uh, cancel an appearance on, on Hand of Pod uh, one time when he was down there because he literally got called back into the cafe because <laughs> the guy he'd just been interviewing, who oh, I think was an ex-racing or, or a can player, mm-hmm. um, ran out while he was about to get in a taxi and said, hey, come back in here, I've just remembered some other stuff to tell you. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it, it's... It, it, it's interesting. I, yeah. I think a lot of the journalism is very kind of what could be termed yellow journalism. Um, but, but there's quality uh, there's, journalism there's as There's quality well. as yes. well, and there are some very good writers, because being a good writer and tackling sport in Argentina isn't seen as a taboo. And I mean, yes. you know, uh, in a literary sense as well, it's just being good at writing about stuff for an audience. Um, so it's, that's nice. It's like a lot like great and very bad, or, mm. or not very bad, but uh, yes, like you said, perhaps... The ones that are uh, more dedicated to the, the soap operas related to football, like the, if Holland will uh, be um, fired or not, and, and who will he be his replacer, the one who replaces him, uh, like, and, and this all the time. And there are others that write books that uh, uh, they, they, they do research and they talk about more history of football, and, and they're interested only on, in serious stuff. Yeah. So you have both sides. Uh, uh, but yes, it's also t- uh, something which uh, happens that to generalize and say that all journalists are, are, are like that, are the ones that uh, prefer to talk about the, the, the yellow things or yellow stuff and not the, the, the ones that, care, that we like more to read about. Yeah. Nikitarian has sent us a couple of questions. First is, any thoughts on the three players who Arsenal are reportedly after? Ezequiel Palacios, Naitan Nandes and Emmanuel Reynoso. Palacios we gave a few thoughts on earlier. Um, He's he's a really good player. Uh, He's had a bit of a dip, mostly caused by injury over the last few months, but a very promising young player. Naitan Nandes, I think, Dan, also, you said something about him earlier, didn't you? I, I... Just that he's suspended for the final, really. Yeah. But overall, he's but... a very solid uh, tackling midfielder. And I yeah, remember at least from... A... I'm sure he was linked to Arsenal this time last year as well, though, right? Very possibly. I know somebody. that um, 
in the World Cup last year, of course, he formed a pretty decent duo in the field with mm. Lucas Torreira, who is now a, an Arsenal player. Oh, you're right. Yeah, maybe I'm getting yes. that mixed up. So that uh, duo has shown it can work. Um, and Reynoso. Reynoso. He's sort of flitting good. in and out of yeah. the Boca team a bit. It's a bit like Kevin McAllister being third choice after starting constantly for Argentinos yeah. and now maybe to I mean, Boca. He's Boca reserved to, Boca. He's to Arsenal. Would he get a work permit? I can't see it, right? He's a long way from the international team. don't know whether he might have a European passport. Possibly. All of three players, I think that Nandes is the only one, I think it's my opinion, who can keep and, and a decent performance for more time hmm. doing it more time certainly be the one I would see as most suited to the Premier League right now at least yeah, yes. yeah I'd, I'd agree I think Reynoso I just I can't see doing it and Palacios because he plays in that slightly more attacking role I think yeah. it's that kind of A it's the kind of role where he might get a bit lost in between two roles when he goes to Europe Yeah. but also I can see it being the sort of position where you make one bad pass and it's like, no, that's it, you're not getting another chance for another month. Mm. It, it, at, at the kind of level that Arsenal are operating at. He has been mentioned, uh, because of course, uh, it's true that he has been linked with Arsenal, because Ramsey is the one who will leave mm. uh, that club, so it's, that's, why, that's the reason why he's mm. now being mentioned there. Um, but Nandes even was, I don't, see clo- I don't say close to leaving Boca, but he was like, Publishing things about the the culture, uh, Italian football, uh, saying that that is he likes the Italian football. He was linked with Cagliari, and at that time, uh, by the end of the year, it appeared like he could leave Boca to and, and go and play Cagliari. But honestly, I don't I don't see the point of going to Cagliari, leaving Boca. But well, of course, money is a big important a big reason for it. But uh, we've also had rumors this week of. Arsenal being interested in Ezequiel Barco, who's obviously been in fantastic form for the under, Argentina under-20s. So, mm. given all these names, I think the fairest conclusion we can make is that it's transfer silly season. The press don't really have anything else to write about. So, and I wouldn't get particularly excited about any of these names for now. Indeed. Um, yeah, in fact, uh, football manager Argentina, the... Uh team of football manager researchers based in Argentina have tweeted back since I retweeted uh, the first question saying Emmanuel Reynoso is definitely not going to Arsenal there we go um, or definitely not for Arsenal they're saying so I don't know whether that's a statement that it's definitely not happening or whether they definitely don't consider that he is an Arsenal level player but anyway <laughs> Nikitarian also says also with the Mikitarian situation after he felt it would be unsafe for him to travel to the Europa League final in Azerbaijan as an Armenian citizen has anything like this ever happened in Argentina or South America in general? So me and Andres actually put our heads together before recording and before you got here because, oh, well. Sam, this will come as a surprise to all of our listeners. He yeah. was a little bit late coming yeah. to recording. Uh, I'm, I'm going to say before, uh, having just read the question for the first time, although I retweeted it, I just hit the retweet button a few minutes ago, um, I've got one example in my head, so I'm wondering whether you're going to come up with it. We had a couple of... Tenuously linked examples, more from kind of the 1940s, 1950s. Oh, okay. Uh, the first, which aren't exactly the same, but similar, as I say. Uh, the first one was, of course, uh, the likes of Alfredo Estefano, uh, Adolfo Perranera, 
all going to Colombia in El Dorado and subsequently picking up a worldwide ban from football. Well, Andy Stefano got abducted. Remember once he got kidnapped. Ah, but like, this was much later. This was when he was already yes, yeah, with, uh, with Real Madrid, Madrid player. Uh, yeah. If you want to read about that case, um, I did an article for it on the Football Times. You oh, can did you? look it up. Yeah, oh, you did. Yes, that, that, that was you. Yeah, Indeed. sorry, you're quite right. Carry on. Um, that was one example we we thought of. The second, possibly even a little bit more tenuously, would be uh, the guys who left Argentina for, for Italy at the end of the 50s, Sivori, uh, Maschio, Angelino, um, and then were either banned or discouraged or didn't want to come back to play the 1958 World Cup. Um, and then, but then I thought possibly the most pertinent example would be the case of uh, Ricky Vicha and Ozzy Ardiles, who happened to be in London with Tottenham just when a war broke out between me and Sam's two nations, which was must have been rather uncomfortable. I've had, I think, uh, Visha left immediately. Ardiles went somewhere, and Lourdes, somewhere in France or something. PSG, very possibly, or Monaco, something mm-hmm. like that. And he said, kind of like it was almost uh, the worst thing I think that had ever happened to him." Like. Just a, a horrible conflict of of emotions, um, but they weren't he weren't, they weren't banned by any means. I think from playing in in England, and I don't think they would have been banned from coming back to Argentina if they had have kept playing. But it was it was fairly awkward. I think. What was your example, Sam? I was going to check my own vague moment. Yeah, Ardenas went to PSG on loan mm-hmm. um, in nineteen eighty two. Uh, so my example, which isn't, again, quite the same thing, but it's a bit more similar, um, is the 2001 Copa America. <laughs> ah, when... When uh, Colombia were yeah. announced as hosts, and then Combebol had a meeting very shortly, I think like three weeks before the tournament, mm-hmm. uh, kicked off to decide uh, whether it was actually going to go ahead in Colombia. Venezuela offered to step in instead because there were security concerns around it being hosted in Colombia. Um, Combebol cancelled the tournament or said we're going to move it somewhere else and then did an about turn and said no we're going to play in Colombia after all and Argentina said well we can. so first of all Canada were one of the invited uh, nations and right. when it was cancelled they immediately just sent all of their players home so when the then cancellation was cancelled I guess Canada <laughs> turned around and were like well we can't take part now because they're all on holiday um, and Argentina claimed that some of their players had had death threats and said, we're not taking part. So Argentina didn't take part in the 2001 Copa America, which, of course, in, in Colombia, um, as I know, because as I mentioned earlier, one of my best mates is part Colombian, um, is remembered as the the Copa America that Colombia have won, and they did so without conceding a goal. Uh-huh. Um, and in that same year, Argentina actually, involved. Yeah. and in that same year, um, there were further postponements due to political crisis, but in Argentina itself. Mm. when Racing and River Plate were fighting for the title in December 2001. I think they were down to play on it was something like Defe- December the 20th and the whole country exploded. I think 30-odd people were killed in protests and, and police repression and the games were, were postponed for a week. I think they were the only games that took place out of that last round of fixtures. The rest... 
were were pushed back until January or something yeah. like that. Uh, Juan Fran Villanueva has also replied to Nikitarian's um, question, saying the Argentina national team did not participate in the 2001 Copa America in Colombia for safety reasons. There you go. So Great mind. say, I swear that I came up with that example off the top of my head, <laughs> not having seen your tweet. I've only just scrolled up and seen it. So yeah. I apologise. Yeah. But those are all of the questions that we have had. Um, we need to talk about... Well, the under-20s we've kind of mentioned just now, haven't we? We can say the results. Off, we've, we brushed over it. We started yeah. off with a 5-2 thrashing of South Africa. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ezequiel Barcos scored... I was about to say two fantastic goals, but it was actually... It was two goals. One was a penalty... And one was a really nicely taken really first-time nice. volley yeah. after a like forty or thirty-yard pass over the top. Um, and then, as we mentioned earlier, they got a two-nil win over Portugal, which was a very nice together team performance uh, in Indeed. tricky circumstances, particularly in the second half. Uh, they still have South Korea to play, but their place in the last sixteen of the Under Twenty World Cup is already secure. Andres, you'd like to say something? Yes. No, I was going to add another case of the. Players that move because of safety reasons, and we have Matias Suarez who had left and left of Belgium because he said that he was had some fear of living there, mm. in, um, as there had had been some bombings there, and he came back to Argentina to play for Belgrano, and of course Anderlecht uh, it's like uh, sued him because of uh, cutting the contract or, or going. Leaving after the, before the contract ended, uh-huh. expired, and after that, Belgrano had to pay $1.3 million. Ah. Uh, I was wondering why you were showing me that headline on your phone yes. while we were talking about it, because I couldn't yes, link that's why. I completely forgot about him wanting to leave Anderlecht for that reason. Because yes. as we all know, Argentina is much safer than Belgium. Yes, indeed. Yes. Uh, don't listen to what the media say all the no. time, people. <laughs> I mean, listen to us, yes. obviously. Yes. We're, we've we're got the good best interests at heart. Um, yes. But anyway... Um, the Copa America squad we're going we to brush up the Copa America squad just to mention before we forget that the women the women's national team on Thursday was it last week uh, played a friendly against Uruguay it was a pretty decent um, performance they won 3-1 without really breaking sweat it was the first time that I got to see Sole Soledad Jaimes um, in action for the women's national team because she was involved of course with Olympic Lyon and wasn't at as I think I mentioned last week she wasn't involved in the couple of Argentina uh, tours around the United States and Australia that I managed to catch some friendlies of earlier in the year. Um, that was their pre-Women's World Cup friendly. They are all having lunch with Lionel Messi tomorrow at the AFA's training centre. Uh, before, I think, the flight to France is on Friday. Um, so good luck again to the Argentine women in the yes. World Cup if you are listening to this, which you almost definitely aren't. But anyway, good luck. Um, and now, yes... The Copa America squad has been announced. Does anybody have it up on their screen? I don't, but I can kick us off while you search with a few players that we do know. Mm-hmm. Uh, the three goalkeepers. We have Franco Armani of River Plate, Esteban Andrada of Boca Juniors, and Agustin Marquesin of America. Um, yes. 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 Well remembered. Excellent. Yeah. Um, and then in defence, we had a couple of surprises, right? Most likely the absence of Gabriel Mercado. I'm really hoping that this link I've just opened has actually got the full squad. Of course, we gave you the preliminary list a week or two ago, but um, yes. here we go. Yeah, the biggest surprise was 
Mercado out, making him another casualty of the 2018 World Cup. I think only nine players uh, are going to feature in both tournaments. And he will. He was replaced by Milton Casco. Yes, which is a slightly weird decision. Um, I'll let Sam finish off the list because I think he's finally got it up on his phone. I have, yeah. Goalkeepers. Franco Armani, Esteban Andrada, Boca Juniors, Agustin Marquesina, America, uh, de Mexico. Defensores. That's Defensores, sorry. Defenders. Um, Nicolás Otamendi of Manchester City. Renzo Sarabia of Racing. Germán Pezzeda of Fiorentina. Nicolás Tagliafico of Ajax. Marcos Acuna of Sporting Clube de Portugal. He's not really a defender, but he's a yeah, left back, I suppose, if he wants to be anything. <laughs> Ramiro Funes Mori of Villarreal. Not really a defender either. <laughs> not really a footballer, but <laughs> no. there we go. Juan Foyt of Tottenham Hotspur. Tottingham, because we're pronouncing this in the Argentine-Spanish way. Milton Casco of River. Midfielders, Angel Di Maria of Paris Saint-Germain, Giovanni Lo Celso of Real Betis, Leandro Paredes of PSG, Rodrigo de Paul of Udinese in the final 23. Hmm. He's had a good season. Has he? Yeah. How many games have you seen? Everyone tells me he's had a good season. I watch e- Udinese all the time. Ezequiel Palacios of River, Guido Rodriguez hmm. of Club América de México. So there are two América de México players in this it squad. Is. Roberto Pereira of Watford. Uh, and strikers, Lionel Messi of Barcelona, Paolo Dybala of Juventus, mm. Sergio Aguero of Manchester City, Lautaro Martinez of Internazionale, and Matias Suarez of River. Um, Is he going to be safe in Brazil? Fingers crossed. Uh, I, I'm underwhelmed. But then I'm that not, was my I'm exact reaction. Sure. Underwhelming is I'm not the sure. best side In to. fairness to Lionel Escaloni, although I don't particularly rate him as a manager, I am not sure what squad he could have named that wouldn't have underwhelmed me, given the midfielders that he's got to choose from. I, I think know, in I his favour he managed to... Midfield, but. In his favour he managed to keep um, Minotti at least at arm's length and not let his entire squad be invaded by domestic-based players. I think there's a couple of picks in there which could be seen as, as a sop to that kind of... But if um, we're talking domestic-based players... If we're talking domestic-based players, and if we're talking, as we were earlier, about Tigre's fantastic upturning form, I would have Lucas Menossi. Very does possibly. with two S's rather than two T's, because of Douglas mentioned uh, Cesar Luis Menotti. Um, I would have him in over Guido Rodriguez, for instance, given, obviously, as I said to Dan earlier, how, much Udin- how many Udinese games have you seen? I've not seen Guido Rodriguez in the Mexican League at all. No, who watches the in, Mexican you know, We have to season. hope that someone um, does. But, but given yeah. what we've seen, the very little that we've seen of him for Argentina... <sighs> yeah, I mean, you do get the feeling that Matias Suarez is in the squad because he managed to play a 1-2 with Messi. Hmm. That's pretty much it's only the only feature you can point to, the only thing he's done. Um, they're all good players, but they're all yeah, pretty good players. But then you watch, the, but then you take a look at the Brazil squad and you just want to cry. Yeah, this I mean, is it, a problem. Going back, you know, the goalkeepers. Yeah. They're, they're three good goalkeepers. Yeah, Sergio Romero is the best Argentine goalkeeper. <laughs> Why is he in the fucking squad? We're back to Sergio. Yeah, Romero. and that's all I'm going to mention yeah. this week, Andres. No, you can edit this part, but I'm pretty sure that we mentioned this. Last episode, the list of the Copa America. No, we we, we mentioned uh, the the forty 
the yes. final 23. Yes. Oh, okay. Yeah, no, because it was released nine days ago, and okay. I thought that we have already mentioned the list. No, I remember but talking about the 40, and, and okay. we were sort of guessing what the final 23 okay. might be, if I remember correctly. If we anyway, did talk about it, it last time, then we apologise. But if you didn't listen yeah. to last week's, maybe it will help. Okay. Indeed. I'm not going to play Mystic Sam's theme music uh, this week because there's only one match to predict. Indeed. Um, so I'm just going to go in and say it. I think Boca Juniors are going to lift the Copa Superliga on... Mm. It's on Sunday, isn't it? Yes. Um, yes. It's a one-off final, just to remind you in case you weren't aware of the format, that's the word I was looking for, of the tournament. It's being played in the Estadio Mario Kempes in Córdoba, um, Boca have got 10,000 more tickets than Tigre you know because they've got loads more fans than Tigre but lots of people are upset about this fact anyway for some reason uh, well because it's you know Boca isn't it and people are getting upset yes. um, and that's about all I, I think Boca are going to win it even though Tigre play better football I think and, it's, and far more attractive football I, I think, think it's a Boca tricky one gonna, yeah. oh, I'm not expecting them to steamroll them I'm expecting it to be a really good game, but I'm expecting it to end with Boca lifting the trophy. I'm hoping... I mean, it'd be nice if Tigre got an early goal, but I'd settle for an early goal from Boca as well. But just something to break up the, the deadlock and, and force both teams, or at least one team, to, to come out and play. Well, I think Tigre will. You think um, so, right? I mean, they've got nothing yeah. to lose, at least. Uh, no, that's but, how they play. Exactly. Um, it, it, it's going to be interesting to, to watch. I think Boca will as well, actually. I mean, I, I, I don't think that. I know that people have had a kind of had, had a go at Alfaro a bit since he's taken charge of Boca. I don't think that Boca are a massively defensive team. They just at times they seem to lack a bit of direction in certain situations. Yeah. Such as for those three consecutive nil-nil draws where they seem to struggle to break down the deadlock against teams who were just happy to say, "Yep, yeah, we're going to play on the counter." And we're fairly good at playing Perhaps, the counter, so you can't commit everybody for it. Perhaps they have they have found the way to play badly and win. Mm. And 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 when they, you find that uh, safety that you say, well, we don't have to play great football or to be really better than rivals to to grab the results and yeah. win. On penalties, one nil, uh, it doesn't care. Perhaps and and you are in Argentina where is. That phrase is said a lot, uh, almost unanimously, even when there are teams that say, no, we prefer to win better, to win playing well, and that. But mm. when you win and you play, and you, you won, won one nil with your, all your defenders in the box, uh, but you won, then you, are, you celebrate the same way and, and you are happy. Indeed. So. Yeah. Um, that's it for this week. Thank you very much for listening. Thank you as ever to our Patreon supporters for supporting us if you want to become one of them and get the benefit of Hand of Pod Extra in your ears for a bit more content from us don't know why you'd want that but some people do uh, then go to patreon.com slash Hand of Pod and give us your money thank you very much uh, and for now uh, that's it so for this week cheers and goodbye from Andres thank you goodbye from English Town goodbye and from me. Thanks and goodbye. Two scores to tell you about uh, from the evening's games. In the Copa Sudamericana, that match that we mentioned was taking place. Uh, Argentinos Juniors got a 0-0 draw away to Tolima, which means that they win the tie 1-0 on aggregate and are through to the next round. 
and in the Recopa Sudamericana, the South American Super Cup, which I realised after we recorded, we didn't mention was even taking place either tonight or last week when the first leg was played. Um, you know, because we're a podcast for people following South American football from abroad, uh, who I assume care as much about Super Cups as I do. Um, last week, Atletico Paranaense got a 1-0 win over River in Brazil. Uh, this week, just tonight, I'm just watching the celebrations now, uh, River have got a 3-0 win. Um, a goal from Ignacio Fernandes about 66 minutes in. And then two goals in stoppage time, one from Lucas Prato and one from Matias Suarez, which give River, I think uh, it's their 14th title overall uh, internationally. Um, it's Marcelo Gachardo's 10th, which makes him, because down here in South America, people take Super Cups far more seriously than they should. Uh, in terms of just raw title numbers, it makes Marcelo Gachardo River Plate's most successful manager ever. He's overtaken Ramon Diaz's record of nine uh, trophies. So well done him. 